Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello everyone. So we are speaking about the blessing of church family. Um, there is so much to say about this, so we're going to get just straight into the word immediately. And uh, let's start with some prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for the wonderful blessing of church family, that you knew what you were doing when you put church together, that there is a design, a kingdom design to it, that as we get into your word and see what you meant for it, that we will not limit you by what we've experienced of family in church, and that we will also not limit you by what we've seen that's good, but that we will just look to you and say, Father, increase our knowledge of who you are and increase our capacity to see the kingdom, how you see it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So first of all, we have to start with asking, what problem was God solving through church family? Think about it. I actually showed a very interesting video, which came, it's a, not a Christian video, but it shows the impact of um, broken families um, on society. And the results and the statistics are really scary. And so God actually decided to solve a problem um, through establishing the church family, you know, um, God would solve all the children, all the problems in the world through establishing church as a family. Um, people who don't have mothers can find mothers there. Who don't have fathers can find fathers there. Who don't have family can find families there. The sheep without the shepherd finds a shepherd there. And so community finds community and iron sharpens iron. And far greater than that, the supernatural power of getting together in unity um, is something absolutely incredible and absolutely worth pursuing. No matter what our idea of church or our experience of church has been up to now, I really want to challenge you as I prayed that we will lay it aside and say, Father, what is your desire? Let's look at the word and say, what do you desire of church family? Um, because you put it in place and we need to know what you have designed it for. I will only be basically scraping the surface of this topic because we're only going to cover it for one teaching, but it will hopefully will ignite in you a hunger to go and look at it more to study it out for yourself and see really what God's design was when he established church family. So let's go to John 3, um, verse 3, 5 and 7. So in John 3, we see that Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus about the new birth. And um, I'm going to take out something here from this conversation. In verse 3, John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then verse 5 to 6, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So the first thing I want us to realize is that when God is speaking about family and church family, we are talking about a spiritual reality that God is picturing in his word through something natural, 
This is exactly what he did with Nicodemus. He explained the supernatural rebirth of the born-again believer, and he compared it to being born naturally. And he said, that which is flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. And so when we look at this, yes, we can use family to explain a lot of it. However, we need to bear in mind as well that when God is speaking in his word, he's many times using a natural illustration to explain a supernatural truth so that it makes sense to us. Okay, God is trying to explain himself. God is ununderstandably massively bigger than what we can ever think or imagine. So he has to use natural ways to explain this to us. So we have to go back all the way to the beginning in Genesis 1 and we see God's perfect design when we look at verse 26 to verse 28. Then God said to himself, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God, first of all, speaking to himself, that's my um, way of, of saying that, speaking inside the Trinity, he does this. He says, let us make man in our image. Why? So that we could have a greater family. So he says, let us make them in our image, a greater family that is able to multiply and bear fruit. The first thing we must see from this is that God's family was on his mind since the beginning. From the beginning, God desired for us who are made in his image to represent him on earth. And he is, above everything, he is relationship. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so within that relationship of family, he desires and makes us in that image and says to two of them, go and multiply. You know, go and be more. Go and make family. He is not just you referring to us having natural children, okay? When he says multiply, there is a deeper meaning into it. When he says subdue, there is a deeper meaning into it. So let's look at John 15, verse 16. When we see one of these, another thing where it's a natural truth explaining a supernatural reality. Um, John 15, sorry, a natural reality explaining a supernatural truth. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Now, once you became a born-again believer, did you start bearing apples or pears or bananas or pineapples? Surely not. We realize in reading that, that God is meaning something else. He is meaning that we bear his fruit. Okay? This is a natural way of explaining a supernatural truth. And the same thing is true even in Genesis since the beginning, that God wanted through this family, which is created in his image, to go and fill the earth with his image. Think about that for a moment. God's desire is that we, his supernatural family, okay, born again family today, 
Since the beginning, his desire was that this family he created in his image would fill the earth with his image. Wow, that gives a new identity or new idea, not even new, just an incredibly high value of God on church. So the creation, the first creation, was supposed to look different from those around them. It is also cleared in everything that's mentioned in the perfect law of God. Look at Exodus 20 verse 3, the very first commandment given. And we wonder why it's not like God has an ego trip and he has to command that we only worship him. Look at this. We should worship him because he's the only God. But he says in verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Why is he saying that? Because all around them, he's speaking to the Israelites, all around them, they would have seen examples of people following many gods. And for the first time, these nations would come in contact with a nation that says we have one God, only one, and we serve no other image. And so as you look through all of the scriptures, that's Genesis to Malachi, we see that God's desire from the beginning was that his people would look different from the rest. This is same even for church today, okay? What we however see in the Old Testament is that from Genesis to Malachi, the scriptures, we see examples of this failing. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Saul, and eventually the nation of Israel. Every generation fails, distorting the image of God more and more, this image that they were supposed to bring to the world, they end up distorting. Adam and Eve chooses the knowledge of good and evil over life. Cain kills Abel, choosing his will instead of God's will. Jacob deceives his brother Esau. David's family is a picture of destruction. Solomon goes mad showing how wisdom without God is worth nothing. Israel chooses false gods. Israel, how? And so on and so forth, the examples go. Part of God's redemption story, listen very carefully to this, is not just redeeming you personally to himself. He is also redeeming his image through his church family. You see, the image of God cannot be seen just through an individual. It is also seen and I want to say, even more so seen and experienced in the community of his people. Why? Because God is too big to just be experienced in one person. If one is all he has, uh, let's say there's someone going out and one person reaches a tribe, I promise you they're not going to stay one for long. Okay? Matthew 18 verse 20. Look at Matthew 18 verse 20. God from the beginning said it is not good for man to be alone. And that wasn't just referring to Adam. That was referring to us all, you know. Look at Matthew 18 verse 20. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Isn't that powerful? I always used to think, God, how is this? The scripture seems so strange because you are always there. You know, you have put your spirit inside of every believer. You are there. You never leave us nor forsake us. That's what Hebrews 13 verse 5 promises, you know. But God is, Jesus is pointing here to something that has to do with the unity of the believers who come together. 
When we come together, there is a specialness of him being there amongst us. There is something that we cannot experience on our own when we gather together as church family. It's so true. I was just at a conference for four days with um, other leaders from the Balkan areas and from different areas. And after four days when I left there, I could feel the difference. I could feel that in that community where, and there wasn't even perfect unity. We didn't believe the same things, all of us, but we believed in the mission of God. We believe that Jesus is Lord. We worshiped him as Lord. We worshiped in spirit and in truth. And there was something tangibly different than when I left four days later. Now I carry that memory with me and I carry it with me, but I realized again how how true it is what Jesus said here in Matthew 18 verse 20. Now God sends Jesus to restore his image on earth and his image is an image of family. Look at Matthew 3. If I go to Matthew 3, uh, which is here, Matthew 3 verse 16 to 17. I love paging through the Bible. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God ascending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, think about that. Jesus is getting baptized, right? He has not started his ministry. He has not performed any miracles yet. And here at the very beginning of his ministry, God reveals a lot about himself, but I want you to point you to this one thing. God shows his image and his image is family. We see in this place, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the spirit, even before Jesus starts his ministry. Now look at how Paul describes some of this in Colossians 1. Um, Colossians 1. We see here verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse, that's 15, sorry, 15. 16, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We see here again that Jesus is bringing God's image, his image, that was before the beginning, beginning, he is establishing it on earth. Page one, page further, Colossians 3, verse 10, read verse 10. It says, and have put, now I'm jumping into a verse, but just take here. It's speaking now about us, the believers. So first I, I, it was speaking about Jesus. Now it's speaking about us and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to what? According to the image of the one who created him. So as he is the image of God, bringing that image onto earth, the one that was before that which was created. So we now put on that new self and we bring that image of him to the earth. And that image is not just one believer on their own. It is the community, the fellowship, the coming together of community of believers. Look at 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. 
when I can find it. Um, 2 Corinthians 3. This is the only thing when you page. Verse 18. It takes longer, but it's good. It gives us all time to get there. 18. Love this. Okay. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. As we behold God, we become more and more as He is. So that which we are, we are now becoming. We are children of God, now we become it. We are the image of God, now we become it from glory to glory, from the spirit to, um, from our spirit to the earth, okay? We are giving his image new and true meaning on earth. You know, immediately at the start of Jesus' ministry, he chooses 12 men to be his family on earth. And in John 13 verse 1, it says that Jesus loved them all to the end. Knowing he had come from the Father and he was going to return, he had loved them all to the end. He chose family. Yes, disciples to learn from him, because that's what we do in church as well. But it's not this mentality of coming, sitting in a school, learning, passing an exam. No, no, this is family where we learn through being together. Immediately after the resurrection of Jesus, he appears to over 500 people. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 6. One, it was to testify that he is alive. But don't you just see the heart of God that he doesn't just appear to one. He doesn't just appear to the three, the one, the twelve. He wants to be seen among the people, among his people. At Pentecost, immediately in one day from 120, we see 3,000 being added. At Acts 2, you can read all about that in Acts 2. But you know, the result of all of this is a different kind of family. The result of this new creation, the result of God's heart to restore his image on earth and create those who carry his image in the earth is really different from what we see in the world and should be different. Let's look at Acts 2 to see what happens with the early church as they form this new identity, you know. Look for verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as many might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. They continued steadfastly. Listen to that. They continued steadfastly in the teaching. You know, there's a few things that's true about natural family that we can also use to compare it to our supernatural family, which is the church, the gathering of the believers. First of all, is that family is family. Okay, there we love family, but it doesn't mean it's always easy. Sometimes it's difficult to love those who are part of the family. Okay, but in loving them, we gain 
the experience and opportunity to practice our faith and to have compassion on those who are different than us. Okay, first of all. Second of all, there's a leader in a family. We learn to submit to leadership in family. We also learn that sometimes it's boring. When we come together, sometimes there's nothing really very, very like amazing about saying we're all going to eat together Friday night because we're family. Every dinner meal is not an incredible experience of a family and it's incredible. Sometimes it's just we eat together. It was awesome. We enjoyed it. And then the rest of the night continues. However, the power to true transformation lies in the continuing steadfastly. Sometimes it might be boring just to go to church on Sunday. Then we have to ask ourselves, do I really value it the way God values it? You know, no matter how crazy our dinners are at mealtime because of my two small kids and all the rest of the family, every night holds something specifically special to me because I value it. Every time we do it, I know that we are building memories into our children's hearts and into their being of what it means to be family in a world that does not understand what true family is. And so it is true and even more true when we gather together, continuing steadfastly together, not just on Sundays when we meet or whenever you meet, but also in the week when we meet in life group, when we do Bible study. You might think it was a bit boring or whatever. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to really value it more because it is in that continuing steadfastly that true transformation happens. Why? Because only family can produce fruitfulness. Think about it like this. If you have a, um, like I am a woman, I'm perfectly woman. My husband is perfectly man. But if we never get together as husband and wife, we cannot produce family. We cannot have fruitfulness. You see, you could be perfect on your own. You have the spirit of God living inside of you. And the Bible tells us you lack nothing. You have been made perfect. And so can another person. But there's something in the coming together of the people in church in a holy and clean way. When we come together, fellowshipping together, praising the Lord together, worshipping him together, whatever that looks like in your setting. And when we listen to the word and we continue steadfastly in the teaching and we are having community together where we are visiting with each other and caring for each other, it produces fruitfulness in our lives and those around us. Have you ever thought about that powerful words that Jesus says to, to Peter when he confesses him to be Christ? You are the son of God. Okay. Then Jesus says to him, um, so, uh, blood, uh, blood, uh, but blood and bones is not revealed this to you. Now I'm messing it up. But he is saying to him after that, he says, this is not a natural revelation. God has given it to you. And upon this revelation that he is Christ, he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Just think about that. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Is that not super powerful? It is saying not that, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the individual believer. It's saying the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Notice it says the gates of hell, but I'm not going to go there right now. <laughs> go read more about this and discover really for yourself the power that lies in this. Is that us as a church coming together. Do you know that scripture also says that we are even more than family. The unity that exists amongst the fellowship of believers is compared to that of the unity that exists in a body. 
Think about how powerful that is. That's all recorded in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 27. We are the body of Christ. Okay, that is incredible. Most of scriptures, the late, not scripture, most of the New Testament letters. Yes, we find a lot of this in scripture as well, which is Genesis to Malachi. But most of the letters are filled with instructions given to how the church family should operate to restore the image of God on earth. It is not written to individual believers. It's written to the church of believers. And there's instructions what we should and should not do amongst each other so that we restore the image of God on earth. You see, who wants to be part of this family if we don't look different than the world? No one. If there is division amongst us, if there is hatred amongst us, if there is gossip amongst us, if there is unkindness towards each other and unforgiveness towards each other and church splits and divisions, even if this is happening on earth, this is not God's design for church. His family, his church family was supposed to bring the blessing on earth so that others might might partake of it and love what they see, love what they experience, love so much who we are that they fall in love with the reason we are, that they fall in love with Jesus who has put this together, who put all these different people together so that we may from each other experience the fullness of God. You know, I have many different friends in church. And every time we get together, I experience a different part of God. I might experience in one the kindness of God, the blessing of their giftings to be kind. In another, I might experience correction. And the Bible instructs us, do not be against the Lord's correction. That is not speaking about a beating. That's speaking about teaching and reproof. And it shows us that, you know, another believer can tell me, oh, in a very kind and loving way, and sometimes just in a direct way, you are not treating this situation right, or you're not seeing that right, or how about seeing it like this? And so I'm corrected and loved. I see God's correction. I see how other families treat their children, and I stand there and I think, wow, that's a great idea. I could do that. You know, I also see the incredible power of encouragement and lifting each other up and speaking life and words of truth over people in the fellowship that brings life and, and renews vision and encourages so that we may continue standing until the end. Isn't God amazing? God has called us all together as believers to enjoy his fellowship together. And as we enjoy that fellowship, we, in, we engage in what and who he is. And we bring that image of God onto the earth and into the earth in a supernatural, powerful way. Because church is also where I go to have my prayers answered. It's where I go to be healed. It's where I go to experience the power of redemption. So I want to encourage you today. Maybe you've been hurt by church. Maybe you've had examples of bad leadership. I want you to encourage you to say that was not God's design. That is not God's picture of family or church family. And I am really sorry that happened to you. Many people have stories like this. I want to encourage you not to to turn away from God because of it, but also to forgive, let go, and trust God 
then go out there and search for a family where you can belong. No church is perfect because no family is perfect. No body is perfect. A body is not perfect. They all look different. But find one where you can belong, where you can be part of, and where you can actively be part of the blessing of God and restoring the image of God on earth. Because God does not want us to be alone. And I believe with all my heart that it's one of the biggest strategies of the devil to to tear us apart, to bring division, to start killing and destroying in the church, to get people to go away from, from church so that alone he can defeat them and he can distort God's image. And he can um, overwhelm and overcome you as a believer. But in the church family where it's healthy, it looks right. It's not not distorted. Where that happens, there is a supernatural power to resist the devil and see him flee from you. So, Father, we just want to thank you for the wonderful, wonderful truth of what we have in you and through you. And what we have together as believers. Father, wherever someone has to let go of something, wherever we have to forgive and move on, I know you are the empowering that does that. I know personally for myself, working through forgiveness with you and seeing how you restored that which I thought could never, ever be restored. I've seen it happen over and over and over. But I thank you, Father, for those of us who we love church, but maybe it's become a bit boring. It's just something we do. And we will once again draw to you And let you show us and reveal to us the power that lies in church as we gather together. May we seek to know you as you want to be known. And may in our gatherings we come full, ready to give, ready to be part of this blessing that is church family. Give of ourselves, give of our finances, give of our fruitfulness, give of our lives so that we could become and see that image of God restoring this world and restoring our nations and our cities for Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca.